John chapter 11, starting at verse 17. Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and she is asking, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus has, had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the home comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind man, um, have kept this man from dying? And verse 38, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you uh, that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you, have, you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen and the cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. I've been asked to look at the very first of sermon in the sermon series on mammon, the Hebrew word for money. And so the first one that Justin Welby looks at in his book is what we see we value looking at the account of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Uh, 
But as we're talking about money, I thought I would bring some money along. A, can you give us the next slide? The £50 note. I don't, often, I don't know about you, I don't often see £50 notes. I had to go to the bank specially and say, can you give me a £50 note, please? And, uh, you know, it has something special feel about it. It's a bit bigger than the others. It's still paper, not this plastic. I'm sure its days are numbered as a paper note. Um, who knows what's on the back of a £50 note? Who's on the back of a £50 note? Does anybody know who's on the back of the £50 note? No, you like me don't see many 50 pound notes, I can see. Uh, it, is, uh, it remembers the industrialists Matthew Bolton and James Watt who uh, started the Industrial Revolution by uh, the, inventing the steam, marrying the steam engine with a factory. So uh, that's 50 pounds. So um, I'm just going to pin it to there so it, it sort of is in our eye line as we think about money, uh, if I can. So, Lazarus. I'm going to look at uh, three points. Uh, firstly, looking at who Lazarus is. Um, secondly, looking at um, who's in charge. And thirdly, what do we see? Who is Lazarus? Who's in charge? And what do we see? So the first one, who Lazarus? As we come to um, a sermon series on money, this might seem quite a strange uh, Bible passage to start off with, the death and uh, bringing to life resurrection of Lazarus. But what Justin Welby is trying to do in this book is help us refocus um, our worldview. Um, and what happens in this account is that the characters um, are, are forced uh, and encouraged to refocus their worldview from what they see in front of them of the tragedy of death to the promises of Jesus coming to life as he uh, raises Lazarus, uh, as he said he would. So the chapter opens with us being introduced to the village of Bethany, where Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, uh, we are told uh, Mary is the one who poured uh, perfume on Jesus' feet and dried it with her hair. Um, and we know that Jesus loves Lazarus, it says that. Um, um, but by the time he arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. But at Jesus' command, he is raised from the dead. So who was Lazarus? Who Lazarus raised from the dead. In some ways, he forms such a pivotal role in John's gospel. His resurrection is a picture of what would happen as Jesus goes to Jerusalem and dies on the cross and is resurrected three days later. And John's gospel continues to talk about him after this passage. So in chapter 12, just before Jesus actually sends off to Jerusalem, he has a meal with his family. Um, and it says Lazarus reclines by Jesus. So he's obviously an important role uh, in Jesus' life. And then in chapter 12, actually his resurrection is so, so important that the, the, the chief priests um, uh, actually decide that they need to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus because uh, Lazarus' resurrection is causing so many followers uh, to follow Jesus and his way. So he's quite important. And yet the Bible doesn't even recall one single word of his speech. He lives with his two sisters, and as an adult man, that, that suggests that's, that something is, is, is not right there. It's, it, it, 
commentators suggest that it might be because he's disabled in some way or that he's been a long-term illness and he needs to depend on his family. But he's living in his sister's house um, as, an, as an adult man. Somebody perhaps in that society who would not have been valued because they couldn't um, sustain their own household or, or work, etc. What we want to look at this morning is our attitudes in our society and how we value people. Perhaps somebody who's unable to work in our society is not valued as much as somebody who's seen as a success with great wealth or a great job. Perhaps Lazarus is that person to us. Jesus sees him as something else as somebody extraordinary, as somebody special, that of all the people that he met in his ministry on earth, that he chooses Lazarus as the the person whom he will do his greatest miracle with in raising Lazarus from the death. As many of you know, we are linked as a church with the Democratic Republic of Congo, and as a diocese, we are also linked with them. Uh, and I'm grateful for Ed last week, who uh, prayed uh, for the nation as it again descends into, um, well, it's not really civil war, it's just militia groups fighting each other and tribal conflict causing death um, in these coming weeks. And we will flag up on the website, and I would ask you to continue to play for the nation. But for me, um, going to Africa provides perhaps the most sharp um, sort of take for me on the difference between our society here and a society within a developing world um, on what is important. I've talked a lot about some of the different focuses they might have um, and some of the differences in, in the way people are treated. One of the ways that the, the church in the Congo stands out is in the way that it treats disabil- people with disability um, due to polio or, or, or whatever um, some of the most moving places we've been are um, places where the church is trying to help people with disabilities take a full part in society. Uh, uh, in the villages, um, people who are born deaf are um, treated almost like they're stupid because there's no way to communicate with them in, in, a, in a Congolese society. So the church has set up a, um, a school for the deaf. That's uh, the symbol for I love you. Uh, Uh, in sign language in order to teach children uh, sign language who are deaf and then teach parents sign languages so that they can uh, communicate properly and then take their role within society. Um, Every parish has, um, and when I say parish, parish is about sort of 20 churches together that make a parish uh, um, like like we would see the Methodist system work here. But every parish has a a development project um, where they uh, work to try and um, help people help themselves uh, and just often focused on people with disabilities project with people um, polio, polio is still a horrible disease in Africa um, and many people are um, deformed because of polio um, but me- training people to be seamstresses and tailors uh, w- who are disabled with polio who can then make a living and go back to the villages as opposed to begging as they would have had to have done so the church in Africa stands out because of the way it treats disabled people and marginalized people within society. What do we value in a person? 
How do you show that you value them? How much do we consciously or unconsciously take on secular values of worth, of what success looks like? Self-reliance, confidence. Do we need to rethink our worldview in the light of Jesus' choice of Lazarus for his greatest of miracles? Secondly, then, who's in charge? Dan. Jesus goes to Bethany. What he already knows is that Lazarus is dead, and he's been dead for four days. He dramatically calls for the stone to be turned away, and Martha has a moment of disbelief. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Martha, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of a dead man, by the time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see glory overcoming the death of Lazarus shows us the extravagant generosity of God if we think of the extravagant generosity of God over here and we need to contrast it with society's um, view of um, money and mammon and self-reliance and individualization as a worldview. On the one hand, we have the overflowing generosity of God. On the other hand, we have the call of money, which tells us that it alone is effective in changing our lives, that our world and in meeting every need. I've been, as my want is really, um, in trying to research this sermon, thinking of a way in which I could potentially reset um, my attitude to money. Um, and I, you know, I, I have a, a good job and a, a nice house, and I'm, I am re- reasonably affluent, I, I, so um, I, I am fine in a sense. But I wanted to, just personally, individually, uh, just try and reset my attitude to money. Um, Tear Fund uh, do a challenge in March, 19th to the 23rd of March, uh, which you will stick in the notices if you want to participate in it. Um, they challenge people to live on a diet that more than half the world lives on every day, um, which is basically the, the, the beans and rice uh, diet. Um, so you, you can only drink water. Uh, you have porridge with water for breakfast. Um, then you have uh, rice and beans for lunch and for dinner. You're not allowed any sauces, but you are allowed salt. Um, and you, they, they asked you to do that for five days. Um, uh, so I thought, oh, I'll do it. It might help me reset well, I, you know, my sense of what I have to spend on living for, for, for a week. Um, so I started uh, the rice and beans diet. So the first slide, Dan, um, 
So I, I went to Tesco and I bought my everyday value, rice and beans and porridge and uh, salt. Um, next slide. And I, I, I've cooked it all up, um, uh, <laughs> making my, um, my rice and beans. Um, I had a bit of a clear out of things at the back of the fridge. Um, next slide. So, uh, so that's my, my start of my week's uh, uh, <laughs> shopping. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the last slide. Um, and that cost me £4.80. And I overbought the rice, so uh, you could probably knock 80p off that. So that, that's a week's food for, for 80p. Um, on the first day, I was a bit depressed, to be honest. Um, eating cold rice and beans for lunch at work where everybody else is eating nice things around you um, is not great and you can't even have a coffee. Um, um. By the second day I discovered the value of salt. <laughs> salt makes everything better. <laughs> Who would like to come and try my rice and beans? <laughs> come on. Yes, come forward both of you. <laughs> You're welcome to use the fork or not. <laughs> or you can use it. Do it the Indian way. Yes. Well, all the Africa way, David. <laughs> yes. What do you think? Can you do five days of rice and beans? Or is it my rice and beans? It tastes fine, but I'm not sure if I could do five days. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, by day three, I'm so used to it that I, I could quite happily eat rice and beans, to be honest. Um, it feels a bit of a shame and, and sort of unpure to go back to eating normal food, to be honest, but I'm sure I get sick of it after a while. But uh, I've done five days on rice and beans uh, with water to try and reset my uh, understanding of money. Jesus generously contrasts with the self-centeredness of our economy, with his generosity. In the context between God and mammon, we need to dethrone mammon, dethrone our focus on money. We need to trust in God's generosity and reject the lies that lead to our self-sufficiency. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, as a foretaste for his own death and resurrection that will happen weeks later. Jesus was generous to the end of his life for you and for me. Who is in charge? Who's in charge of your wants and your needs? And is it money and do we need to reset? Finally then, what do we see? Verses uh, 33 to 36. I'm, gonna, I'm slipping back, so if I confuse you, I apologize. So this is, this is as Jesus meets Mary and Martha. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you have been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, 
and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. When the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some said to them, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? The value put on human beings by God is very different to our economy and our society. In God's eyes, infinite value is on every human being. God loves everyone the same. There is no test scores or exam results. There is no measure of how we participate in society or not. There's no measure of our social standing or whether we have a job or whether we don't. Regardless of what we do or what we don't do, God values each human being uniquely. Jesus weeps. But as he weeps, the onlookers wonder why he could not stop this man from dying. Perhaps that question can be put to us in terms of global poverty, our society, and our, our economy. We have it in our hands to change the world. Jesus weeps. We need to switch on to seeing so that we see as God sees, that we value people as God values people and shed the lenses or the glasses of this society that prevents us from doing it. We need to see through the eyes of Jesus because what we see in Justin Welby's words is what we value. Mary and Martha struggle with this in this passage, not surprisingly with the death of their brother. Jesus says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And yet at the moment of crisis, wherever she's actually asked to roll the stone away, she dithers and there's going to be a terrible smell. He's been dead for four days. Jesus asks her to take a risk and to believe and to roll the stone away. What would you risk in your faith in valuing others? I think the next step is to pray. Is to pray that we might too have the eyes of Jesus on the world around us. I did the uh, the bean challenge um, to reset my uh, thoughts about what I needed to survive for a week. Um, what that left me with was um, was some money uh, that I would have normally fritted away on food. It leaves me with an amount of money which I can release to somebody else that I can give freely without strings 
in an expression of generosity. Toby, you, uh, you stood to the challenge and took my, my rice and beans. Um, can, I, can I give you £50 without strings and with just as a generous gift to me? See that brother. What we see, we value. Let us see the presence of Jesus. Let us see God's ridiculous generosity. Let us overwhelm the call of money and mammon on our lives. Let's see the individuals we meet as equally valued before God. Let's see them with God's eyes. And we will discover far far more on our walk with God. Let's value the people around us and demonstrate it with a risky faith of generosity as we receive generously from our Father. I'm going to uh, pray for a minute. Can I have the musicians back up on the stage? Um, well, then we're going, to, uh, we're going to sing a song in response um, and then we're going to go in to, to share communion together as part of that. Um, so uh, as the musicians get ready, I'm just going to pray for us. Father, we are humbled by your generosity for us. Your love that led to your son hanging on a cross for us. Help us to see with your eyes. Help us to shake off the, the, the stuff that this society puts in our way and turn our world view around to see you as our provider our Father, our source of all that is uh, good and, and uh, all that sustains us in life. Help us to see so that we may value as you value we play. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.